0: Welcome to Manufacturing
1: Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my host, Lou Weiss, who is also the president of All Metals and Forge Group. And our two guests today are Anthony Nieves, the committee chair for the Services Report on Business with the Institute for Supply Management, and Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business. Welcome, gentlemen.
0: Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having us. As
1: always. Well, Anthony, we'll we'll do a little change up this time because since you're 90% of the economy, we'll let you go first. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. I was I was ready to go into relaxation mode for about 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> so we'll, okay. let you, we'll let you walk us through some of the high points and then we'll toss it over to Tim.
0: Certainly, thank you. So, when we look at this semi annual forecast, um, services growth is projected in 2024. Um, and as we get more into the detail, we'll see that uh, that is going to happen mostly in the second half. They're not as bullish in the first half with their projections for the services sector. And, you know, keep in mind that they're looking at 2023. And as so our listeners know, we've talked about this in the past, we look at year over year, we look at the first six months going forward, the second half of the year, we compare it to prior year forecast, both the first and second half of the year. And so for the services sector in 2023, um, it was was not so much a, a mixed bag, but it did things varied by industry and by company. And overall... Uh, We had seen real estate rental and leasing take a hit information. Technology had taken a hit uh, based on year over year figures. And it's somewhat carried forward into this semiannual forecast. So we look at overall the headlines here, revenue to increase 6.9%, which is a very nice number. Um, We see capital expenditures had a pullback to 2.9%. And in some of the prior prior years, we'd seen double digit forecasts on this, and even realization of that. But um, you know the old adage of keep your powder dry in a storm, and so there's always been this bit of uncertainty surrounding what might materialize. And uh, you know, Tim pointed this out earlier on our teleconference. Uh, our respondents had no idea what was coming out of the Federal Reserve as it was relative to. Um, Rate cuts, interest rate cuts uh, projected for 2024. So that might have given us a little bit of a different picture, I think, uh, if we if they had known that and if we had known that ahead of time. And we look at efficiencies and you know capacity utilization currently at 86.5. It's a, it's surprising that there's a pullback in that, uh, and I guess it's more about the structure of these companies and whether they have folks working at home or a hybrid approach and what the output has been for some of these companies. And we've seen uh, some efficiencies really uh, uh, at high levels in the past for the services sector. Uh, It's just, it's still anything over, you know, 80, 85% is still humming along quite strongly, but uh, it's just that we're, we got accustomed to the high eighties, low nineties there for a bit. So that's that's just a quick overview on the headline numbers, and I'll I'll uh, volley the ball back over the net here.
1: Okay, we're just uh, i Tim Fiore. Are you still with us? There he is. Yes.
2: Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. So, you know, I I think, you know, as as Tony said, we did not predict or know or have any idea what Chairman Powell was going to do two days ago. But that is absolutely a huge tailwind to all of this. And this is a very, very positive forecast for 2024. So just to kind of set it and in, in, uh, in set the environment here, one year ago, we got together and the manufacturing forecast in December 22 said that 23 was gonna be a lot like 22. Our, our outlook was actually at a 50 diffusion index, which is stable year over year. Our projections on growth are not very strong. We were sitting in a very unknown situation with where was interest rates going to end up. Uh, was a pandemic really behind us, or was there going to be some overhang? Uh, you know, what was happening with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and on and on. There was a huge amount of uncertainty. We went through 2023, living with huge amount of uncertainty. And as somewhere around May or June, I'd indicated that it looks like our panelists are starting to lay off. They're starting to really take headcount out now by using layoffs, not just freezing and attritions. And you're going to see from the forecast and the update on 23. That's exactly what they did. And you know, and so we got all the way into the tail end of the year, and it's like, all right, where where are we going to? So let's 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 uh, as as Tony said, it appears without the interest rate issue, that ha- half two of 24 will be better than half one of 24. But we also think that half one of 24 will be better than half two of 23. So I think that's positive. Not usually better. We're still going to be kind of fighting our way through the first quarter. Uh, again, with the new interest rates coming into place sometime in the tail end of the first quarter, there's going to be a lot more optimism and in investing in not only people. You, you, know, you may not let them go as easily as you might have two weeks ago. Uh, You might accelerate that capital investment that you had planned on not doing until March when you believe that the Fed is going to take interest rates down in 2024. And they've actually thrown numbers out there, which they probably have before. But I think they're forecasting a 2.4 or 2.6 percent inflation rate in 2026 or 2027. So that's also eliminated the whole thing of we're going to get to 2 percent interest rate now, what they're saying is we're going to get there sometime, and it might even be when your 14-year-old grandchild gets married. So it's like, <laughs> okay, that adds, a lot, that adds a lot more clarity to where we are here. So, so you know, I look at this thing in three environments. I look at it from the business condition standpoint, which is really revenue and outlook uh, comparison. I look at it from business inputs and costs, which is uh, employment levels, employment costs, and material prices. Then I look at it from a production capacity standpoint, which is operating efficiency, uh, production capacity, and CapEx investment. So let's kind of go through the first ones here revenue. So uh, we reported in the end of 20, one year ago, we reported a 9.3% growth in revenue compared to 2021. We had predicted a much stronger growth in 2023, uh, but in the end, what we ended up with was 0.9% growth in revenue this year which is pretty much nothing. It goes back to we're stable 2023 versus 2022. That's another anchor that says, yeah, yeah, you're pretty much stable. But more importantly, we're saying that for next year, we're gonna grow 5.6%. Now that's the weakest number since the pandemic, but it's also a pretty solid number because we're at a fairly stable situation here and we're not coming off a low low. You know, cause you know you grow 14% off a low low, What what's the effective growth value? Half of that? And, and we know that 2020 was a low low. Okay, so revenue is looking pretty good. The outlook, what what our panelists think in terms of positive outlook for 2024, came in at a 56.5 diffusion index. Now remember, 50 is stable year over year. So if it came in at 50, we'd have said, well, we're gonna be as profit, out- outlook for business is about the same as it was for 2023. That's what we said in 23, in 22 for 23. We came into the a 50 in December 22 for 2023 performance. This year, we're going up 6.5 points to a 56.5. So again, that's positive. Everybody, this is without interest rate relaxation. Everybody's saying, hey, we're gonna cl- climb out of this thing anyway. And you know, recall, I've, I've been saying that I think we're in a trough for the last five or six months. So now we're starting to predict, hey, we're coming out of the trough. And then the last one on the business conditions is profit margins we're forecasting a 57.4% growth in profitability in 2024 compared to the last half of 2023. The last half of 2023, we think we ended up at a 55.2% diffusion index compared to the first half of 2023. So profitability doesn't seem to be an issue. Things seem to be working out in spite of labor rate increases, material cost increases, production capacity coming down. So, okay, all these have to kind of merge to make it all work. And that's what the 2024 performance year will be. Moving on to inputs and costs, which I think is probably the biggest story of the forecast, is that we're, we're closing the year at a minus 0.6% employment level in manufacturing, of which we saw a minus 2.2% employment headcount in the last half of the year. So consistent with what we had reported back in May and June is that The panelists are now starting to take people out. They're not doing it dramatically. There's no need to do it dramatically, but they're taking people out nonetheless. They're not replacing them when people quit. They're freezing new hires. They're actually doing layoffs. We've been talking about that every month. So what the net result of that is a minus 0.6% headcount compared to this time last year. Okay, makes sense. We're gonna grow 2% in next year is what they're saying. So we're gonna stabilize and grow but the feeling is that primarily that's probably the second half, probably the last three quarters, because I think this first quarter is still going to be a you know bumpy, lumpy. I don't see us in December going to a 52. Uh, I've been saying that I think we're going to break the 50 mark probably in March. So I still kind of feel that way. But we could be accelerating a lot of stuff that would happen in the second quarter or even the third quarter, given the assurance that the Fed has given to the business community that things are going to be better for you. So that, that could accelerate stuff, but we'll see. Okay, labor and benefits costs. This is one of the negatives on the forecast. We've been growing since 2020, as you would expect. In 2020, we went up 0.7%, uh, not much, but you know, we had all those people leaving. And uh, last year, this year, 2023, we grew labor and benefits costs by 5.8%. We predicted that we would, I'm sorry. So we did that in December for 2023, 58 in 2024, we're predicting 5.2%. So a slower rate of labor benefit cost growth, but a growth nonetheless. That in order to be profitable, you've got to raise your prices, or you got to become much more productive, and, and 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 more innovative. So that's this this labor benefit cost. I think is like the tombstone, meaning it's not really movable. You, you know, you're, and with the lack of a hard landing, which means heavy layoffs, that labor cost is going to stay there. And benefits are being what benefits are, and you know medications being a big part of that. You know you can see what's happening in that area; it's expanding, it's providing longer lives for people. It's all good. So that you know that's a well known. So let's move into the purchase price area. So um, you know we're reporting for twenty twenty this year that we grew prices four point one percent. I think we had talked a couple of months ago. I was thinking it was going to be somewhere three to four, and it came in at four. Okay, a little bit of a disappointment, but that's a lot less than last year's 11.4. That's one third of last year's 11.4 and it's a lot less than 2021's 14.5. So, you know, we're now down a normal level of material price growth is kind of consistent with GDP. So you typically figure about 2% material cost growth year over year uh, with the lack of some kind of negative stimulus or whatever. So we're actually at double that rate. And then more importantly, for next year we're predicting a 3.3% growth so it's going to come off 25% but we're still not down in that two to two and a half percent range but that's okay with the Fed saying that they don't need to get to the two percent inflation target until 2027 we got plenty of time to get there in 2025 2026. okay last thing here i think we got 15 more minutes and we can open it up for the conversation is the uh production capability first one's operating rate So uh, this year, this time last year, we were running at an 88.4% operating rate. That means, you know, if everything that I've got, if I had everything running, you know, really well, top performance, 100% is it. We were running at 88.4, which is a really high number. That's a high number. And we've been running that level for the prior two years too. So three years, post-pandemic, we ended December of 2020 pandemic, 85.7. After that, we went up, up 88. In May of this year, we reported an 82. So we were clearly stepping down our operating rate that was, you know, consistent with the need to de-staff that we talked about. And then, you know, we're closing the year now at 83. So that kind of fits with the whole headcount reduction stuff and the uncertainty of the future, uh, in the, in the, the, the better part of 2023, but more importantly, the second half of 2023. So it's kind of good. We're only operating 83%, which says we've got capability to step it up without having to really invest heavily but we're investing anyway. So on the production capacity standpoint for 2023 we're reporting that we only increased our capacity which is again labor, equipment and plant by 0.7%. You know, really really light number, very similar to the 2020 pandemic number. That reflects the fact that we had no idea we had a negative idea of where the economy was going in 2023. Therefore, there's no need to expand capacity and have it underutilized, because you know the, the 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 trick here is to keep utilization high. And when you start deploying new capacity, your utilization comes down unless you've got more demand. And we never had that in 2023. So, so this is kind of good for 2024. We're forecasting a 7.8% growth in production capacity. That's the biggest number since the pandemic. That's, that's you, so we're, we're, we're gonna re-engage our people, plant and equipment sometime in 2023, 2024. And we really feel it's probably gonna be the second half of the year, but most likely we'll start seeing it happen in the second quarter of the year. And then the last one here is uh, CapEx. Uh, we hit a trough in CapEx in 2020, of minus minus 2.4% investment, kind of fit. We thought the you know, sky was falling, world was ending. Why are we investing in capital for two years out? And then we've been growing it pretty consistently ever since 2021, 12% growth, 2022, 12% growth, 2023, 15% growth. And now then for, so for 2023, we grew our CapEx this year by 15%. And then for next year, we're going to grow another 12%. So huge optimism. Now, some of that 15% this year could have been delayed deliveries from 2022, highly likely that it is. Uh, it, I don't believe it reflects pull forward of 2024 needs. So it was probably a 2023 replacement cycle and some pull, uh, some carryover effects from 2022. A normalized number there would probably be closer to 10. But more importantly, here for you know, with no pandemic and having to pull pull forward and and delay deliveries and all that. But for for 2024, we're looking at almost a 12% growth again which is all really positive. So the sum of the manufacturing side is we've been in the trough now for uh, coming up on six months. The big question that we had in manufacturing was when are we going to leave the trough? Chairman Powell has helped us a lot with that, saying that we're going to cut interest rates next year, probably starting somewhere around the the, uh, the second quarter end of the first quarter. Our panelists have already come forward with, based on raw demand from their customers, they're forecasting growth in spite of dropping interest rates, so you put all those, you put those two together, and you know we could be on uh, the you know the pathway for a tremendous year here. So the the question will be, how do we keep prices stable, even if they're stable at three to four percent?
1: Anthony, I just want to go back to you for a moment. Um, Tim's was really thorough in his uh, uh, presentation, his analysis. Is there anything you want to add to yours? And I know Lou's got a question, so I'll get to him. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I literally only stuck to the high level of the uh, first page there, but going through the different tables and you know, I'll, I'll touch base on a couple of things that I find are the highlights and, and some that are, I think, uh, a bit challenging. And especially in this sector where it's uh, very labor intensive and and reliant on the um, employment aspect. And, uh, you know, I've said numerous times on the show how employment goes is how this sector goes. And, you know, what was reported back in, uh, you know, for 23 was a 1.9 percent increase in labor. And now it's uh, down to 0.8 percent. And interesting enough, when you look at the industries that lead that, it is those customer facing industries that I've been talking about every month. Uh, you see it in the accommodation and food services and in the retail space. And I was asked this question the other day, You know, what's the challenges uh, in employment? Because every month we've been reporting on how it's been a mixed bag for this sector, depending on the industries and depending on the companies within those industries and that some are saying that it's very difficult to find qualified applicable workers for their uh, particular needs. And what we've seen from the pandemic or since the pandemic is that individuals have leveled up. Uh, They've gone from those uh, line level positions that are more tedious, more hours, uh, uh, and that you see reflected in the accommodation and food services and in the retail where they've left those industries because they've had opportunities in other industries and could garner either increased wages or better conditions as far as not having to work um, fully in a facility or a location or away from home. And respondents are telling us that people, if they had a choice of a hybrid approach or working remotely and as much as companies are pressuring people to get back in the office, there's choices out there. And then we have the underlying of those that have become entrepreneurial, the so-called you know uh, gray markets or whatever, where you don't even see them counted in the employment figures. So we have low unemployment, 3.7%, right? It's up a little bit from the 3.4%. Previously, uh, we're not seeing as much wage pressure as companies are trying to control expenses. And again, it's, it still remains a mixed bag by industry and company. But it's it's just when I see it at 0.8%, I was hoping to see it come up a little higher than that. You know, you know, 1.9 last year. In prior years, we've been hovering around that 2% or a little less. I talked about uh, the good thing for this sector, though. What I like is that when you look at companies and their strength, their their profit margins are being maintained. You know, revenues look good. Uh, so overall, uh, the sector has been consistent. Uh, from 2023 and everyone was concerned that we're seeing a, the first part of 2024 as I mentioned uh, initially on the call that wasn't as robust uh, yet as we're measuring that change it still is fairly good so um, you know those are a couple things I wanted to highlight also and and not to get into all the details of the special questions but interesting when the respondents were talking about how supply chain disruptions and they feel that the change from pre-pandemic levels it's not they don't think like there was a percentage that said that wasn't even coming back right and surprising because we've had faster deliveries and minimal backlogs all through 2023 so i was kind of wondering where where that's coming from i think there's been some adaptation there but anyway uh hopefully it gives you a little more detail there uh tim
1: Thanks,
3: Dan. Great report. I mean, I'm I'm excited. And uh, I've been uh, part of uh, ISM, even uh, at one time I was on the panel for 10 years. And I've always, you know, just for the audience understanding, uh, the ISM reports have a significant uh, positive impact and factual impact on the things that they uh, tiptoe through and make even in their projections. Uh, There is one thing I'd like to bring up, and I know we're coming up on our closing minutes. uh, And I can't help myself to do this, uh, even though we don't normally talk the P word, politics. So being that this is an election year, uh, and usually, if I'm not mistaken, in an election year, the economy generally is good. Uh, but we have a bit of a contentious uh, environment. Uh, that's probably a safe word. Uh, a contentious environment, could that possibly affect either positively or negatively uh, on the economy and your forecast?
0: The great question. I have to say, Lou, that we normally never reveal who the participants of the panel are. But since you already said that you were on it for a while, since you left the panel, I think our political questions have gone down about 50 percent, the comments, that is. (laughs) (laughs) And I also like to take credit for, even though I don't deserve it, but um, Last month when I was interviewed and, they, and Bloomberg asked me, what did I think about rate cuts? Do we need rate cuts? And I didn't get a chance to finish the whole set. And I said, definitely. So I like to think the Fed was listening to me <laughs> uh, amongst other things. But it was really our respondents. I was reporting on what the responses. Just as Tim said, every month there's comments in there about the interest rates and how it's impacting their business. So hopefully this will be a catalyst to uh, really drive uh, the revenues as well as you know, what I, I keep mentioning is that soft uh, capital reinvestment on the services side. So you're
3: not going to answer the question about politics.
0: <laughs> well, I did kind of in the sense yeah. that the <laughs> politics, do, we, do I think that I, I, Tim mentioned this on the teleconference before we got on this, uh, the show with you and he hit it right on the head happening at this point in time, it kind of alleviates that, that, uh, Anything uh, of political ramifications if the Fed was going to do it like right before the election, and you know this way it's 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 innocuous. It's not uh, uh, a result of anything of any political influence. We know that the past administration hammered the Fed on a consistent basis about interest rate cuts, so we're not going to see something like that materialize over the next uh, twelve months.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know we've been talking about this on the PMI calls. Is that uh, we we've been saying that. Uh, The Fed has to do something before the end of the first quarter, otherwise they get engaged in the politics of 2024, which they absolutely do not want to do. It's because it just makes their job five times harder. It's just not not a good way to go to work every morning when you got everybody throwing arrows at you. So they they decided before before 2023 was over, not even into 2024 said, hey, the war is kind of over. We, we think we're on the right path. We reserve the right to change that direction if it goes the wrong way, but we actually think we're going to cut rates three times instead of two times. And, you know, with a big smile on his face. And then off we go to market 500 points in what an hour. Yeah. yeah, It's right. like, wow. Wow. But you know, if you think, of, and, and the whole, this is a good move if inflation doesn't you know run out of control here now. And, and I don't know. I, I, like I said, we're, we're showing a 3% point, a 3% plus point increase for next year. That You know, maybe that fits his interim 2024 target level. It might. I mean, they, they haven't seen these numbers yet, but OK, it probably does. If we're not going to get to 2% inflation until 2027 or 2028, there's a hell of a lot that can happen in the meantime.
3: That's for sure.
2: Yeah. And then, and you also have the, the inevitable situation here with labor wages going up. You saw it in the automotive, the, the union got in there, did something different, got what five or 6% per year. And then all the non-union factories did the same thing. So this is kind of like taken off and this is what they did not want to happen in the historical environments of price increases and wages. We're in a non-historical period here with still a bunch of unknowns. So I think, you know, with productivity uh, coming into play, Demand will probably, I'm expecting that probably by January, February, I'm gonna see my new order number break 50 easily. I I don't think it's gonna happen in December, but I I think it's gonna happen in January because now everybody's gonna sit in meetings and say, okay, our risk just got cut about 40%. Let's go.
3: Right, right,
1: clearly. uh,
3: The way we see it at All Metals and Forge Group, Uh, the year turned out to be much better than uh, we had thought. Uh, and uh, we're we're already booking business uh, LTA business uh, long term agreement business already this month going into next year. So we're already filling the uh, the books for next year, which is a little early. Normally we see that in January, uh, mid January February, uh, but we are seeing it now in December. So. There's, there seems to be a fair amount of optimism out there.
2: Yeah, so w- there was a there was a question that we asked last year about backlog and how is backlog impacting you? And uh, the question we asked we, a couple of things, but the one I looked at was: Is it impacting you negatively? Is it impacting your production plans negatively? And meaning that, as it drops, is it going to be a problem? Last December, twelve percent said it was. You know, not okay, move the needle, but didn't move it very far. It doubled this year, doubled. So that really says that we had 20, 25% of our panelists were saying, I'm worried because my backlog is diminished. And, And now the Fed has essentially eliminated that problem by saying, not to worry, Mr. And Mrs. Supply Manager, I'm going to relax rates. So your customers are going to be much more willing to spend money. Here come your orders. We're going to grow your backlog again. Hallelujah. Here we go.
3: It's true, and uh, regarding uh, backlog, uh, uh, because of this month, December, our backlog has now gone back prior to COVID. So we're we're sitting pretty fat and fancy.
1: Excellent. Good. Gentlemen, if you have time, we have not addressed the special questions that are always in this report. I have to be aware of what you have going on. Lou, do you still have time? I know you've got a, a potential hard stop.
3: Well, we, got, we only have about a minute, so uh,
1: do what you can.
2: Yeah, I gave you one on mine. The backlog was the one I thought that was the most significant.
1: Okay. Anthony, how about yours?
0: Yeah, I touched base on the uh, uh, the anticipate supply chain conditions to be essentially back to pre-pandemic norms, and 28% said never. So that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop because, uh, you know, I know things have changed and adjusted. And uh, yet, uh, to your point, Lou, uh, you said that your backlog has grown. I anticipate that to be the case when demand increases uh, uh, through 2024 again we might not see it toward the latter part especially once the rates kick in but um, yeah I think that overall uh, things like the inventory question uh, there's no great surprises out of these from other than the one I just pointed out okay yeah, I okay. couldn't figure that
2: question out either Tony it was like what never what do you, what do you mean never I don't get
0: that
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, <it> was <laughs> never say dialogue. never <laughs> yeah, I think it was just somebody frustrated saying it's never coming back to
1: the windows.
2: <laughs> that's, that's a burned-out buyer chasing parts.
1: Yeah,
2: he
3: better retire.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time. We know the two of you have got tight schedules and other uh, media to get to, so we appreciate Anthony you joining us. Thank you, and Mr. Fiore again. Thanks as always. All right, thanks guys. Thanks everybody. Thanks, gentlemen.
3: And give our our regards to your next show, Bloomberg. (laughs) Take
1: care. And for all of you who've been viewing and listening, thanks for being with us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio.
0: That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.
3: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.